so the successful people didn't graduate and <laughs> the non the non-successful people did that's how you know there's a time and a place for it and it's usually drunk at 2 a.m <laughs> that's just Welcome back to another engineering podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And I'm Scott. <laughs> that was great. Okay, welcome back for another another hang. And that was we got a there was a third voice there. We got a guest. Hello. Yay. Hi everyone. Uh, joining us this week is a good friend of ours, Scott Bauer. Uh, we we've been how long have we been trying to get you on for? I feel like oh, we spent six months oh, trying six to lock, years lock you so. down. <laughs> we've uh, um, we've had a few hiccups here and there, but finally managed to dust off the microphone stand and the interface, and which is which is all hardware that you have because of a career in music, um, involved on many levels as an artist uh, on <laughs> right. the business side, all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Amateur um, in some aspects, professional in others. But a while back, you sent me a Spotify playlist called Bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> which yep. contained something like eight songs that were all at the time in the top 20 mm-hmm. that just if you went through and just played the tw- first 15 seconds of each song sequentially, it was unbelievably apparent how they were just the same song. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, okay, we we should get him on. (laughs) You made an awesome mashup of all six of the. I just downloaded the songs into the uh, or saved them into the playlist, but you made a mashup of all six of them, like the first ten or fifteen seconds. Which I was going to ask you prior to this if you have that. I don't know if you still have it and you could play it, but it was. We got to get that posted. It was pretty brilliant. Before that, it it already exists in our Slack channel, which you would have access to if you were a Patreon backer. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to do that earlier. Special thanks as always to our uh, Patreon backers who uh, throw us as little as a dollar an episode to help keep this thing going. Uh, If you want to check that out, go to P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. That felt like a natural plug. It just kind of did it. Usually I do it right up front. I just try to get all of that shit out of the way. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you had a. But uh, yeah, we'll put. We'll have show notes up at engineeringpodcast.com that'll have all the links to all the, this kind of stuff in there. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually went and cut together the first 15 seconds of each piece of that song. It was. But I feel like we should fantastic. talk about. Uh, so you, you, you literally have a degree in the music business. I do music from, from Berkeley. Yeah, which I found out was uh, completely uh, useless and and way too expensive, way too costly. <laughs> Not useless. And I think it got my got my foot in the door, but very certainly very costly. Um, and uh, uh, apparently, as you as you pointed out, it would make me an expert in the court of law uh, potentially. Yeah, by the I, fact I that. Yeah, I could present you in a trial as an expert, and it would hold yeah. water. You've been yeah. in the industry for ten years, so you so your day job is booking uh, venues 
You want to explain that a bit? I bet people don't sure. think about the fact that there's a whole team of people that set up yeah. who comes to their local venue to play. Yeah, so um, I'm a talent <laughs> buyer at, as a full-time job for Niederlander Concerts, which booked the Greek Theater for 40 years. That was kind of their primary venue and the Santa Barbara Bowl for 20-plus, something like that. Um, they don't book either of those venues anymore, which I won't get, go into, but is a story in itself. Um, but we book... Uh, book um, some some major venues exclusively or through preferred deals um, throughout California, including um, Vita Robles Amphitheater in Paso Robles, which is like a 3,000 cap amphitheater out there, which is super beautiful. Uh, San Jose Civic, uh, which is an auditorium uh, in San Jose, and uh, The Grove in Anaheim, which is like a 1,700 cap club. So my, my job is just to... Um, and and we book outside venues beyond those two, kind of all over California and a couple in Texas and, and sort of throughout the country too. Um, but yeah, my job is just to basically um, book bands into those rooms. It's pretty, pretty simple. Agent calls me up and says, we got a, we got a band that's going out in this time period and they need this much money and, and uh, these many groupies backstage and, this this amount of drug no they don't they don't do that at all <laughs> definitely the money though <laughs> right uh but yeah that's um, that's that's essentially it i just i just book the bands into the venues and hopefully the ticket sales are good and we take a uh the profits of the the ticket sales and the the beer money and 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 the the artist walks away with their money and hopefully we sold a lot of tickets and everybody's happy the greek is the kind yeah. of place like booking the Greek means you're talking about like Tom Petty for three nights. Like you're talking to, you have, you have visibility on a side of the industry that I think is, is, you know, super fascinating, which is you got to hit the mm -hmm. road. You got to make money as right. an artist. If you want to keep being Tom Petty, you have to make money by being Tom Petty. Totally. <laughs> like, or, yeah. Or that's really where it, on to the next day, project. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, li um, live music is certainly, uh, you know, still a, a viable source of income. Probably like the most viable source of income at a certain level. You know, I mean, it's it's really hard for for bands starting out to to tour and to make money in in the clubs. Um, it, that's it definitely. I mean, it's pretty impossible on a, a smaller scale to make money playing live, and like uh, imperative on a larger scale you know once you're once you're selling once you can sell you know a thousand tickets in a any market then hit the fucking road because you're <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be making money doing that you know how does that how does that break down those numbers because i'm always curious people it's so hard to get a sense of scale for things happening in the world i'm curious like what is a small venue for a band where do you start to break into where touring makes sense i mean you kind of threw out those numbers and then how does like you two compare to uh, your typical well-known national band, things like that? As far as like how much money they're making on the road, money or, or ticket sales? Yeah, like some. Yeah, I, I think that. Um, well, there's logistics. You know, like if you two is coming to town, you need a venue that can hold hundred thousand people. Yeah, or that's the size or, of their show, right? Or like, fifty, and they do two nights. It, it just kind of depends on, on what they want to do. Mm. But, uh, um, you know, when you, we can start at the top with somebody like you too. Usually the, um, the 
two big promoters like Live Nation or AEG, they own so many venues across the country that they buy the entire tour of acts like U2 and, oh, and wow. Rihanna and, and um, you know, Justin Bieber. Um, and so they buy the entire tour and they say, we're well, going to pay you a like, blanket amount of money. We're going to pay you $10 million to play 50 dates in all of our venues. Um, cool. And and you can't play. Which works out you for know, the artists, too. Because sure. they, they're not, I mean, those are the venues they want anyway, right? It's like, there's only so many stadiums. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a consolidated flow. resource. Like, there's only, yeah. you know, how many stadiums are there that can hold you too, right? You're, you're talking about football stadiums here. So you got one, maybe two in every state. Right. And it just, I think <laughs> I guess you can just, do college venues, but they're usually a bit smaller. So it's like, you know, little, they don't even, the ar- arenas are too small for them a lot of the time. I mean, they'll do that. I don't play Hershey Park recently. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. They're not going to be at the, the El Rey. I mean, they, they probably would do a surprise show at the El Rey, which is the cool thing about Los Angeles is you see these huge bands right. playing like the Roxy, um, yeah. you know, before like a huge show. Famous but yeah, small like the, venues is a fun thing to have access to. Yeah, it, in this city um, especially. Uh, so, but so I feel like what's interesting about that side of where you you work, and then that I I kind of have a view on because of uh, Emily, my wife, works for a uh, one of the biggest recording studios in the country in the in the city, I guess. Yeah, country, country not too. Fair to say. I mean, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some big names. But she's going. you know like she spends all day doing the admin side of running a venue that hosts Justin Timberlake and, and Pharrell working on a song. Right. So she mm-hmm. sees the business side of all that kind of stuff. So between the two of us, we kind of have this view on this interesting space that strikes me as like right at the intersection of why that playlist is called bullshit. But then the <laughs> fact that if you can't make money with your music, you have to stop doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, right. I mean, that's certainly a, so, a way of looking at it. I, I thought, too, which, she would be a perfect person to have on here because she sees this which stuff all the time. culturally just a funny – because that's that sellout space, right? It's like at, yeah. what point, what, at what point have you sold out? <laughs> yeah, I think I like that's the thing that, like, that punks level. are really worried about, right? Um, yeah. And it's all yeah. in the same – it's in the same sort of philosophical territory of like, well, what, wh- why, what's the difference between somebody that can fill a stadium with approval and people that fill, <laughs> people right. that fill stadiums and we're like, uh, uh that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's, right. it's rare to be able to fill like if you're, if you're playing football stadiums and giant arenas, you're the type of people that are going into the studio that Emily works. It's really the same thing. You're, you know, you're, you're right. Justin Timberlakes and your, uh, your Maroon Fives, and et cetera, et cetera. At, at some point, a lot of those people have either sold out, either were good or more creative or more, um, uh, you know, true to themselves, I guess, or true to their, their music. Uh, so either they've sold out or they write music or, or perform music that was written for them that appeals to the least common denominator. And, you know, that's, I sound really cynical saying that it's not all true. And I think you too is pretty, 
is pretty original. It could, you know, debatable. <laughs> I think they're pretty original. They created a sound <laughs> that, that, like, I don't think that they sell out a lot. Maybe there's an element in some of their songs, but most of them are pretty unique and original. But like, They don't the, sell out philosophically. But well, I mean... They sell out venues. They do. They do on things. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's be clear on our, our verbiage. They they certainly have songs that are sell out songs yeah. that, that you could have written, that the three of us could have sat down and written in, in 30 minutes uh, that sound like every other song of theirs. But um, I, uh, so, I think... So what I've... What I feel like I want to do is back it up to, like, why, why does, why does music even, like, why is this a debate that feels important to have? You know, I remember some of my, uh, my earliest conversations about music, like deep philosophical conversations, were this topic. It was, it was me and and one of my buddies, Colin, who I think is a listener, defending Everclear to our friends who within a year or two of this conversation had like decided that they were deadheads and that Bob Dylan was the greatest writer of all time and that it was no longer okay to listen to Everclear. And I just remember us adamantly fighting with them about this. Not really any of us really knowing like the levity of the, the situation or, or the depth at which this would consume us as we become adults and learn more about music. Um, I think all of us would laugh at that conversation now, but there's there's always been this heated debate with music over what is good, what do you like, why do you like it, um, and it's such a silly space to do it in because I always the only thing I ever I can ever like ground my discussions in is music theory or just like the exposure that people have, like some certain people have really big music collections and can name every album and every song and every artist. Some people play a bunch of musical instruments. Um, some people have are like classically trained or have a degree like you, Scott. And Scott is also the two things you just described before that. You're you're all these. I think you're all, all these things. I mean, I think all three of us really <laughs> fall into most of those categories, right? But um, yeah, I mean, or any like I try not to have a music snob attitude on this, which is like totally what I'm not trying to say with a playlist called bullshit (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) it's not i mean it's in in a sense it's snobbery but then it's it's more so it's just there's always a cynical component to being involved in the creation of that kind of stuff right it's like here's what you like and here's what you don't i mean you you have been in you were in a band cover band. The band, the band? Yes. You it were was in called, a cover band. First it was called Crazy Chester. For that band. First it was called Crazy Chester. <laughs> then we thought that sounded too creepy. <laughs> so we switched it to the band band. Yeah. <laughs> and like handy. like you had a jam handy. band. Like you, there's a, you, you, the type of music that you play, you're the kind of guy where I said, uh, Here's a song, but I'm not sure if you know it. Before I was going to play some strummer, you know, that I knew how to play. <laughs> and uh-huh. I was like, it's something blues. And you were like, oh, if it's a blues, I'll be fine. <laughs> I oh, mean, it's a blues, right? Like you have a handle on the theory of this stuff as well on a level sure. that's, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a blues. It, oh, sure, it's a genre yeah. of music? I'm good. 
<laughs> I mean, it's more, you know, as long as you know pentatonic scale, basically, you can just kind of hack your um, way through it. But so, like, the thing we were talking about beforehand, and where I think it overlaps with this engineering conversation, and this, and this constantly comes up, is we, no matter what has happened with a transition in technology, we've used it to make music. And so music has also, in our lifetimes, gone through a shift from being available via, via like really clunky mechanisms to the way that it's so perfect now that you have a place where you're like, this is too perfect. I'm going to listen to it on vinyl. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've chased that in one of our episodes because we talk about the signal path and everything like that. Like what's where, what's happening when music gets to you technologically speaking, which is pretty cool. We'll put that in the show notes. Ooh, yeah. I have to check that out. But, uh, but there's this other side of that, which is just like, let's take it even further back. Like, why is it in our, when in our genes to care so much about music? It's yeah. because if you sit around a campfire and you make a bunch of noise, wolves don't eat you. <laughs> like, or is it because we were talking about workout playlists, right? And to me that fits in this space of like, take it away from whether it's pop or not. I deliberately before this went for a run and listened to an old like pump up playlist from, 2004 or something and there were a number of songs where i was just like oh man this song but it's it's working <laughs> oh i bet they, i bet it was a spectacular playlist yeah i would love to listen to it like i, I mean i, I think i i kind of get what where you're going with this and and i think like you know and to that point like i have a pop playlist and and spotify and i like like a a good well-crafted pop song as much as the next guy it's it's just when it gets to and kind of to your point about okay the the technology now um uh enables pretty much anybody to make good you know quote-unquote good music or well-produced music so it's easier to create it's easier to create music now, and it's also easier to create music that's super homogenous and geared towards um, making money. And I think that that was my my issue with these songs is not only they weren't the same in in the vein that like uh you know the British invasion bands that weren't the Beatles sounded kind of like the Beatles, you know, with the little woos in there and, <laughs> and whatever. Or like there's genres of music, and there's even like you know trends in music that are similar but like in this <laughs> bullshit playlist it's the same beat it's the same instruments it's that fake marimba sound it's <laughs> the same you know all these songs have four chords in them they're in the same key they're the same four chords just mixed up a little bit one one of them has three chords but it's three of the four chords that are in these other songs <laughs> they were all you know go. it's all major label acts which I mean, it's hard not to be in a major label nowadays in some form or another. Like every indie label has been eaten up by three major labels. Um, but you know, pro- produced by you know major pop star producers, written by multiple people, except for the Sia song. Um, so you kind of see after you really dig into this, you're like, you guys were purposefully lazily at that making 
songs that you knew people would eat up, and then they did. And then I just, like, it kind of angers me because, like, so many authentic musicians out there put their heart and soul soul into making original music, and then someone, you know, a a big top producer and, and top songwriter hears cheap thrills or or you know one of those other I took a pill in Ibiza and then they write uh shape of you Ed Sheeran song which is like just the same lame song but and sorry I don't want to get too opinionated because I want to be objective about this but it's the same <laughs> it's just the same song and it's like Ed Sheeran singing about being in a club like give me a break you know like and, and when, you know <laughs> that guy doesn't fit I, in a club I, I dug into the like you know there's some quotes about him writing it and the him and the song he he went in to write the song for other people he that people I think there's a, a miss um uh uh interpretation of the song and in that he wrote it for for Rihanna in that he wrote it about Rihanna but he didn't he wrote it so Rihanna he wrote it for her to sing him and like three other dudes weren't writing an Ed Sheeran song they were writing a Rihanna song so already you're going into this trying to write music to sell you know there's no there's like Ed Sheeran like he, this is none of his thoughts like he didn't go into a club and start like grinding on somebody like he doesn't he doesn't do that i mean that's just not it's so inauthentic and yet it would not be welcomed right it wouldn't well nowadays nowadays it would shave your neck dude (laughs) but most neck beards grinding up on girls in clubs would be shooed away pretty quickly um but but yeah it's and it's the now it's the biggest song in this it's even bigger than the songs that it rips off which at a point you hear those songs and I, I heard that song and I'm like, God, this is bullshit. Another one of the mar- marimba trop house beats again. And people are still like, cool. Uh, yeah. More of that. What, what is it that offends us there? Cause you, you touched on a lot of the, you touched on really everything that's happening in that process. And it, it seems like there's a point where uh, you work really hard as an artist to, uh, become known, right? You're like writing your own music, you're hustling, you're you're playing crappy venues just to get by, you're living in your car and driving around the country. And then you make it to a certain point where you all of a sudden, no one cares about you. They just care about the fact that people know you. And then let's just pile on whatever we can, make as much money as we can and move on. That That's sort of the cycle, right? And first... Does it work if we don't do that with people? Yeah, I mean, there's... Does art work that way? Yeah, because, I mean, there's so many authentic artists out there that are on the, you know, in that kind of mid-level that are, you know, on independent labels and true to their their art. Like, the the perfect example for me is, like, Alabama Shakes. They're they're very creative. They, you know, they had a, a... second album where they didn't conform to the sound of the first one uh where there was a lot of different influence i mean Brittany howard said she was listening to neo more i don't know how you say his name the the composer the like famous oh neo morricone yeah the, she uh... said that was the biggest influence on that right right <laughs> yeah she said that was her biggest influence on that album well most people are thinking that it's otis redding you know 
Um, right. But like they're on an independent label. They make creative music because they're trying to create art and like that's they're trying to like they're doing it for themselves because that's that music is meaningful to them well i think they enjoy it while they play it whereas i can't imagine ed sheeran playing shape of you like for the five millionth time on (laughs) i don't feel like i don't understand how he could get joy out of a song that he intended to write for someone else that is not true to like if you listen to early ed sheeran so i mean he was just a singer songwriter with an acoustic guitar and it like they sounded like folk songs you know so it mm-hmm. it just it it there there's just that cynical part of me that's like this is bullshit like you're this is not what music is about it's not about just getting the most money from people it's about like truly touching them with originality and and like great musicianship so is there is there an analogy we can draw to something else in our economy that's like this because this really is a this is like a capitalistic thing here right like you've optimized a vehicle for sales uh and now you just kind of take advantage of it i think where we stand right now that lands with like oh this place playlist is bullshit is a phenomenon that happens at every phase of the evolution of this art form. Um, it just shifts as you digitize it to a place where, like like the analogy I think is feedback loops, right? Like you make a song, it makes you money, you keep making that song, and like there's an extent to which you prize what's innovative and then you don't necessarily respect the stuff that is not innovative anymore, but shit, it still sells tickets. So somebody yeah. likes it, right? Yeah. And um, you're, you're, you have to feed the machine, you know, speaking of feedback loop, I mean, you've got to <laughs> feed that machine too. And all these artists are on major labels and the labels, I mean, it's just the same old story. You got the label guy coming into the recording session saying, you know, wins the single. What's the, like, I, I don't like the Tom Petty song, the, uh, um, where he says the A and R man says I don't hear a I don't single. Hear a single. You know? <laughs> right. That like that still happens. There, there you know, that happens all the time to this day. And I mean Into uh, the Great Wide Open. Right, right. Just put that in the show notes. So good. Great, great song. Um, I just saw Tom Tom Because that is a great song. ballad about exactly the sort of experience you're talking yeah. about. I think that's yeah, what he was Yeah, totally. Tom, it's Pe- a, like, Tom Petty was struggling with at the time that he wrote that was Right. <sighs> the A and R man keeps sitting there going I need a hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, you know, if you watch his documentary, he talks all about that, about the labels pressuring him and, and right. sitting in recording sessions. And, and I think the song won't back down was about that too, about the, you know, his late, something about label people pressuring him and pro- probably trying to take more money or whatever it is. But you know, that, that whole, that whole machine still exists. And, and you, the, the label still takes, you know, a, a big chunk of your album sales and, um, you know, they, the commercial radio is still big, shockingly, like people still, it's like the most, um, it, that's where people discover music the most still as a right. whole, shockingly. Uh, well, so, and that's the, so the, the digitization, then you're talking about like, uh, this has always fascinated me since, well, like I studied art, you know, along with philosophy and 
in college and then I went to film school for a year. Like it, it struck me at the time that we were transitioning into a phase where Tom Petty's a great example. I can listen to any song that he ever made and some weird ones that I got via bootleg because I'm a fan, like with digital fidelity forever. And so there's this weird piece now, and I think this happens in all mediums, where it's easier to point at the example that means that makes you derivative. And so people, it's like, oh, he's just doing the Tom Petty thing. And it's like, so what's that threshold where it's it's so derivative that you're not, and I think it's about this like feedback loop, like the Beatles being inspired by Chuck Berry uh-huh. and then even taking a song that he wrote and blowing it up. Uh-huh. It happens slower because communication was slower at the time. Like for them to figure out about Chuck Berry meant it had to get to the radio and then it had to get to them through another realm. And, you know, so it seems like they organically grew their own imitation of Chuck Berry. When you start to close that feedback loop, which you can do now because things are so digitized, you end up with a playlist called Bullshit, which is seven or eight tracks that are all basically exactly the same song on the radio at the same time. And 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 and, and those songs make money. Yeah, yeah. But if it's you step com- outside, like Alabama Shakes, then people are like, oh, well, they were true to themselves, which is great, unless they bomb so hard that they can't make money anymore and then you never get to hear from them again yeah you know that's that's the thing is like you you right you still have to survive in this industry and it's very very tough and like you know whether there's there's gonna be i think times for like any songwriter or you know artist that's like having that's collaborating with people um, and having songs written for them um, uh, in, in that, like, should I sell out? You know, should I write this drop house song? Um, should I, you know, do the like axis of awesome four chord song? The I don't know if we if we've played that. Should, maybe yeah, this so is a good time to play it. Right, I don't we'll, know. We'll put it in the show notes. But but talk us through what that video is. It's the most so there's there's a chord progression that is probably the most common chord progression in pop music. Um, for the like music theory nerds out there, it's just one yeah, what is five, it? one major, five major, six minor, four major. It's all all in a major key. And it's like so many huge hits, like uh, "Let It Be" and "No Woman No Cry" and "Don't Stop Believing." And the list goes on and on. And it's kind of in the same, you know, mostly the same tempo and and like the same form, like the same amount of measures for each chord. Uh, but yeah, this this band called Axis of Awesome. I think they're this like a comedy troupe, you know, musical comedy troupe. They they mashed up probably like. 50 to a hundred songs into like a three minute jam three minute song of all these tunes. And it just worked perfectly, you know, like it, it just showed how many songs use this form. So to, to that point, I mean, people like musicians and songwriters have been ripping off other songwriters, whether consciously or subconsciously for, for, you know, eons. If you're George Harrison, 
<laughs> yeah, right. And that mean, was actually I, a know, case you read in copyright law. Absolutely, yeah. The um, the my sweet lord, uh, um, he's it's my sweet lord uh, and he's so fine. Were the two songs? He's so fine. Something like, like that. Yeah, some other pop song. Or, that, so that some you learn that case well because it's it created a legal precedent for what they call accidental copyright infringement. Yeah, because he didn't. They he can didn't find know. that happened and fine you, but it's not too serious. And it's like somebody can prove that it was on a radio at a time. Like the reason that Led Zeppelin case even proceeded was because that band opened for Led Zeppelin a couple of times. So yeah, they have an argument right. to be like, of course they heard the song that we had at the time on the radio at the time that you stole Stairway to Heaven yeah. from us. And and the difference between <laughs> that that my sweet lord case and um you know this like all these axis of awesome songs that use the same chord progression is a very important distinction which is you can't copyright a chord progression so you can but the melody of the of the he's so fine my sweet lord is the same same melody the same vocal yeah. melody which you can copyright. Um, and is the more distinctive element of the song. And it's the reason that probably any of these songs in the bullshit playlist, they're not going to sue one another. Probably, a, because it's probably a lot of the same songwriters and producers and they'd just be suing themselves. Um, and, <laughs> and B, because it's not, the melodies are, are different and unique in each one of the songs. So to their credit, they did come up with original me- melodies, um, just not rhythms production or chord progressions well this starts to touch on a space that maybe we don't want to chase but i want to bring it up and see what you guys think and it's kind of the idea that uh, this is this is where my head's been spinning uh as i've been thinking about this episode i i think back to a class i took in college where for part of the semester we studied pornography (laughs) and i think this touches on a legal case too right there's there's been some legal precedent that says like the definitive definition of what pornography is. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Uh, it's like a classic court case. Um, and I feel like we're in the same space with music because when you start to talk, at least in this pop space and this argument of what's good and what's bad, because when you start to talk about these similarities and when you talk about the hundreds of songs that have the same chord progression in that set is both songs that absolutely everyone would jump on and say uh that is useless junk sold out pop Mm -hmm. and same progression same rhythm same instruments same words in the songs just stuff subtly tweaked that are like absolute indisputable wondrous hits that have inspired generations Yeah, absolutely let it be no woman no cry like yeah what's the songs and it's not always just who did it first uh, there's there's what is, is there something definable or is there just this like deep magic that's too much for our brains to process um, tom petty is certainly a way into that right like i just went to a festival to see tom petty last weekend uh you were there as well scott mm-hmm. yep yep like the fact that he's still packing people in if uh tom petty's coming through town i'll frequently be like you should come i promise you you'll recognize every single song that's played yeah <laughs> but you don't yeah. know to expect it until that dude had a song on the radio for like 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and still does. Those it's songs just, will just never go away. They're yeah. they're timeless. They're they're really they don't you know, with the exception of maybe a couple, they like 
they don't sound dated. You probably you you'd have a tough time, with the exception of like the the literal quality of recording equipment mm-hmm. back in the day. Like to be like that's a Tom Petty seventies, that's Tom Petty nineties. Like they're just all great timeless rock songs. The Free Fallen is a great example. Because that's a song that I, I, that was written in like '94, but it feels timeless in this way where I can't place it in the '90s because of how it feels. But it was a giant hit. So I was going to say, but Tom Petty's music that does that thing music. that I get once you know? in a while with a song I'll hear on the radio, where it just feels like I've been listening to this song my entire life. Yeah. It'll be a brand new song. It'll be an artist I've never heard of. I'll be like, this just feels like home to me this just feels like life it captures something and it i've always wanted to get a list of those uh and i actually have a playlist that i've started that i think it's called uh listened to a million times or something like that (laughs) and uh it's these songs that just like catch me uh i'm sure they would not be the same for anyone else on earth but they Uh they grab my soul and just own it yeah and it's just like nothing else, right? It's like being lost. Imagine finding a picture and just staring at that picture for 12 straight hours. Like it's just, there's something so captivating about the right mix of sounds coming into your face. One of the things that I've always appreciated about you, Brian, is the extent to which you, like your ideal situation is like a, gin blossom song in the car with the windows down pumping your fist out the window (laughs) (laughs) owning you as long as i have known you have had a habit of aggressively owning your enjoyment of things that were not cool at the time (laughs) not not cool but it's like you know (laughs) it's like i'm picturing that fist pump into that Oh, that's awesome, right? It feels good. My hair it's just like blew a... back, actually, and I don't know where the wind came See, from. See, I get that. And, like, you know, Gin Blossoms at least is uh, a, like, that's creative music, and it's, it's, like, they just don't sound like a lot of other bands. I think they're pretty unique. There might have been, like, this sort of touch of... of 90s... There was definitely like, a swath of, like, songwriter bands... Uh, uh, toe the wet sprocket yeah i mean they kind of fit in that vein but like i could still you know gin doctors yeah they they're still touring though and they still like kind of i I don't want to say they pack it in you know but like they have a (laughs) they have a cult following of fans that i think could last for a while like tom like people will be jamming out to tom petty's songs and and um packing arenas or until whatever he's he, over he, until he's dead you know because those songs are timeless and the reason that they're timeless is because they're real and authentic and he wasn't writing them because he was right he wasn't writing them to sell money or to uh, yeah. to make money he was writing it because he had a fucking awesome band and they wrote fucking awesome music and like they wrote what they loved and they wrote about real experiences not pretending to be in a club somewhere and like you know you <laughs> using a, a the exact same beat from like people just aren't gonna be um and, and like i really i hate to be so cynical about all this but like people are if i had to put money on it people aren't gonna be in 20 years packing arenas to see ed sheeran 
sing a you know a derivative pop song from 2016. I think it'll just blend in with all the others, and it won't feel real. I can't imagine somebody having that same experience that you discussed, Jones, about you know the Tom Petty song about like being completely like a transcendental experience, which I feel is the reason that music exists. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, for the life of me, imagine that somebody will have that experience listening to shape of you in 20 years i like i just it's a it's a i mean <clears throat> it's hard to not get aggressive i like that we're all kind of on the same team here i think <laughs> i'm sure we all have some some guilty pleasures i have a good buddy who labels his 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 pop playlist is called that guilty pleasures and uh i that's what i was going to chase so why are there songs on that list that make you feel bad because other people are assholes. That's the answer. <laughs> I'm the asshole. I because I, other people are judgmental I'll, assholes. I'll just wear wear that <laughs> wear the judgmental asshole. No, but you clearly have been judged as well, or you wouldn't have to label your own playlists in special ways. You know, there's there's a there's a classic social like pecking order uh, judgment and mentality that goes along with music, and it goes along really strongly because. Music seems to really capture people in their like teenage years when you are already at like the pinnacle of picking on other people to try to establish yourself. And that's when music, I think, for most people really takes hold. And so all of the underpinnings of like angsty teen is layered on top of this discovery of this incredibly powerful thing that's going to carry through with most people for the rest of their lives. I I think the thing is for me that, I like, I just, I, I don't judge people for what they listen to. Cause like I, I get enjoying pop music. It's like, I get how you could enjoy any of those songs. And to be perfectly honest, like when cheap thrills that see a song came out, I loved that song. Cause I really hadn't heard that, that production before in that beat. And I think Sia is a cool artist and I saw her at Coachella mm-hmm. and she was like, her stage show was very innovative and super unique. Um, so I don't like I don't judge people for enjoying pop music or or listening to it. I judge the the machine for shamelessly homogenizing it with no like it, it to the point of these these six songs that I put in that playlist sounding so similar, you know? It, like I just think that like you're you're lowering the bar for creativity in music and and homogenizing it so there's not a lot of options out there. I mean, you talked about analogies before, Jones, and like the perfect analogy in a different art form is like McDonald's, you know, like, <laughs> and we were kind of touching on that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that I just feel like this form of like the bullshit playlist is a Big Mac you know or it's McDonald's or whatever fast food you like and there's a time and place for it and like I I will eat fast food just like you know anybody else and I think that's really interesting because we we chased how to record and reproduce something that was that gave us pleasure you know like people playing instruments in such a way that you can have access to so much of it with such clarity of reproduction that now we're starting to have sort of these should conversations about it, right? Where it's like we, you were describing the experience yeah. of being in front of a screen all day at work 
And if right. you're me listening to things that definitely skew toward EDM to keep myself awake. Right. <laughs> like, right. right. When I get home, there's a different experience of music that you can have. And so mm-hmm. I can't remember if we were recording when you ran through it, but talk about like the, the, the vinyl, like what you were saying about you buying more vinyl lately. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, I think that that's kind of a, a different, um, it, maybe it's, it's a similar conversation or maybe it's a whole different one, but like really it's, for me, it's just about like not being in front of a device like just trying to cut the devices out after I've been staring at a screen for eight hours a day. It's just a sort of like decompression Zen thing of like mm-hmm. putting on an album and like, you know, appreciating an album in a for way an album's the... sense. Right. Well, we've talked about this in the, in the signal path episode. Cause it, it also is, it's literally physically recorded and reproduced via a means that is smoother. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean that ones is and true. Zeros. Although, although it's not like I don't enjoy it to that on that perspective yet because I have like such a shitty setup at my place with these just like old ass tiny speakers and like a, a really it just the sound quality isn't great. But it's more to me, it's more about just well, like you can't change tracks. It on a, it's a hassle right, to change tracks. You, yeah, right? you can't so create switch tracks. You can't like look for other music at the same time you just like are forced to uh to appreciate an album and like people used to write you know bands used to record albums for album's sake like concept albums like dark side of the moon and and sergeant peppers and um you know that that's less of a it's a dying art form sadly now it's that you know most people there's most people write singles or or EPs or you know little three track um, collections because people can you know they're they're mostly consuming their music online and just want to hear a track or don't they just don't have the the attention span for an entire well right it album. used to be that an album was the only way they could get you music and yeah. now that it's digital right. people can gun for just having a couple of good tracks and not yeah. having these these accompanying accompanying six or seven, whatever needed, you know, you needed to fill out a CD. So let's do, there's, there's another piece of this conversation every time that Brian and I have it, (laughs) like where does country fit into this for you? Because Uh, I don't know where you fall these days, Jones, but you definitely had a period of your life where you had a bunch of them. You're coming off living in Nashville and all you wanted to listen to is country. Like pop country, the stuff that was on the radio country. You know, it wasn't even, it wasn't even, uh, I'll tell you what it is. And I think this will be an interest. this will. And I have trouble get. I've, I've always had trouble getting behind it. And I always feel bad for that. Cause I don't, I don't mean to be like the fucking country. I just, I don't like it. Well, first of all, there, there are two, there are two things going on here. There's pop country, which is what I think you're talking about. It's the pop music coming out of the country genre. Then there's also music that is influenced uh by certain regions of the country that we consider country which i think falls like bluegrass kind of roughly falls in appalachian style music uh like nashville like country cowboy style music and stuff but i think you're asking about country pop and i'll tell you exactly what i think i've identified uh first of all you're right it takes me back to college a little bit uh although i didn't really listen to it at school 
you know at that time we were in like hard we were in college during like the peak of bro the bro phenomenon the bro and so it was just hardcore like garth money and bitches rap music no no everywhere the whole country was just plastered with uh spraying twenty dollar bills on strippers right so that's all (laughs) i listened to in college that's all i didn't listen to it i hated it but (laughs) it's all that was available to listen to but country music pop country music is one of the only genres uh that is that has almost soul almost entirely male rock ballads all pop country songs are men singing from the heart with big boisterous male voices where the music is written for the male voice but it's also written to show off the male voice as though you are like celine dion or whitney houston but it's for men (laughs) and it's and so country music always pops up for me really strongly after uh serious relationships end because i get to sing my fucking heart out and it's the only music <laughs> genre that caters to my voice and to my masculinity <laughs> i love that <laughs> that's i think that's the answer that's that's perfect that's you know <laughs> and that's but i feel like that gets to the same place of listening to gin blossoms with your your you know fist out the window <laughs> <It's> <laughs> done. <laughs> It does. There's there's music, and there. I guess but just I, I think okay, I, like I think the the point about all this is that like it's uh, like I said before, I don't judge people for listening to to pop music or to pop country for that matter. It's just like I want people to know what's know what's happening, you know, like and and I think like Jones, I think you absolutely know that pop country music is derivative and that pop music is derivative. Like I don't think there's any. I don't. I think when when you're listening to you know I don't I can't think of like a Luke Bryan song or something like that or whatever the the pop country was from back in the day, um, I don't think that you're like well this is new and innovative you know but it <laughs> but it gets to the point but you have an emotional response to it which is which is a great thing and that's what music is for but I think it's just important that people know it's kind of like we're gonna say McDonald's you know like people didn't know for a while that this is you know, factory farming also and your unhealthy. burger is made from a hundred different <laughs> cows. And that the, the chicken is like the chicken nuggets is cartilage and, and like eyeballs, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is like, I'll still, but at least, you know, at least, you know, going into it when you're drunk at 2am, like I don't give a shit that I'm eating eyeballs and cartilage right now. <laughs> I just want the nugget taste. It's the same analogy with the pop country music. I don't care <laughs> that I'm listening to eyeballs and cartilage. I just, it's going to give <laughs> think, me a good emotional response. Uh, there's also a video we'll put in the show notes of mashed up country hits. Uh, it's 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 worth yes. watching because it actually calls out each hit as it refers to it and where it landed on the charts. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> mind blowing, like ex- but it's exactly the same thing. As yeah. our bullshit and, playlist and our whatever, it's right. There's just layers to everything, and it's yeah, you know. even even more <laughs> derivative than the the bullshit list because it's literally the same chord progression for six songs, like just the same. Because they just play, you know, one they mashed it up and played one song, right. like a clip from one song and a clip from the other, and it's just the same same <laughs> progression. It's the same, literally the same song so it's yeah country is at the the pinnacle of uh somewhere i have a funny text thread where i sent you that harry styles song that's like on the charts right now that is Uh just straight up 
the progression and opening guitar solo from uh, Melissa, Melissa, the Allman yeah. Brothers song. Right. <laughs> oh, I right. noticed that immediately when I heard right, that song. Right. SNL oh, recently. Yeah. Which I don't hate, you know, like... You certainly can't argue that he's he's rehashing a popular chord <laughs> right. progression there. You know? Melissa wasn't even, like, the top 10 Allman Brothers hits, you know? Right. Like, and it's right. extremely unique. So, yeah, no. But no I, 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 ain't, I ain't mad about it. <laughs> in, in that vein. So, what if we just spent... What if, what if we just spent a minute all screaming pop song names at each other as fast as we can? Just everything we can think oh, of. Oh, God. <laughs> What did you say? Wait, <laughs> I missed it. Got, the audio okay. cut out. What do you want to do? Like a jumble it was just a joke, but if we all just, for what, for 60 seconds, we just scream the names of songs or bands that are just pop music at each other without any without paying attention to each other, just <laughs> saying them. Just get them out. I think we should just do it in a DMX accent. <laughs> Marco Reina, Jeep Thrills. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That's... DMX and Ja Rule like, just barking into the oh, mic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, barking. The barking stage, the barking, <laughs> the barking rap stage. How, how, uh, how, how? I'm gonna stop. I'm making myself look like an. Well, we virus. just here's a good way to get out of here, though. We were just talking about we we're talking about going to this uh, music festival uh, last weekend. Tom Petty was the headliner, but my goal on the first day was to get there in time to see live play. Who? Uh, what was there? Was there a chart topper in the mid '90s when we were teenagers? Lightning crashes. <laughs> Lightning crashes. Oh, I, I alone. I'm listening to that up on the rest of the day. Uh, I alone love you. I alone tempt you. They had a, they had a few. They had a, a good handful. That whole album. They had a couple albums that really secret. It secret started that one. Started to Samadhi, touch. You I can believe. tell it was popped out though a little bit. Yeah. You know. True. That first one was just raw. That was just coming out of being a teenager and you've signed a band and you're just crushing it. You're in your 20s and then there started to be a little polish on and you're like, mm, I can feel where you're slipping to. See? Yeah. That's <laughs> the whole point. Of... <laughs> you knew it was bullshit. What else? There's, uh... We can smell it. Humans can smell bullshit. There's this space, ho the space hog song that was on the charts at the time oh, that yeah. every time it pops Great. up. Great bass. Uh, yeah, that bass. In the meantime, it was called. Oh, that makes right. me happy every time that starts playing on it. Um, fantastic song. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> throw else? that on when I. I, you know, I think the 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 um the takeaway from all the listeners after this episode is Scott is a judgmental asshole, <laughs> and he he hates music. <laughs> He hates pop music and the people that listen to it. And, and, you can't be that serious about it and still have... I, I think the last show we went to together was ACDC. Yeah. So, yeah. Like you're like, I, uh, no thanks. When I'm like, hey, I got a ticket for oh, this, no. this band that's just awesome. But uh, shallow on innovation, for sure. I, I, think, I, I, think if I, was, I think if I was drunk enough, I'd go to an Ed Sheeran show, too. I'd probably been probably like um, it. <laughs> I would like I he's got that one song that's like a tribute to Lord of the Rings, I think. That is just absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know which <laughs> one it is. But maybe, I'd have to dig in a little bit to oh to God. know it. But, okay. I feel like this is a good place I'm, to get out of here. 
But uh, I, I, I'm just saying I, think, I could I could be convinced to go. I think the moral is and don't judge the person for their taste. Yeah, but it's fair to, to to judge and be aware of the mechanism by which they pump resources into trying to get money out of people at the other side. Yeah, I think. But that's also, a good it's moral. hard to not be too. It's hard to be mad about that, except beyond the point that it's just an artistic feeling. Because I whatever I mean, like I went to a Kygo show and everybody seemed to be having a lot of fun. So, In- incidentally, uh, he's the one that started this whole tropical house music chop house thing trend. Right. Tro- yeah, he was he was sort of the <laughs> originator of of it being popular. Popular. So, uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out, Scott. Woo! Thank um, you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, buddy. Absolutely great. This, yeah, my good. pleasure. Super super fun. Um. Let's do Thanks to everybody else who, if you want to help us out on Patreon, that would be dope. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash pod. At some point, I'm going to stop spelling that, I feel like. But people seem to need it. It's helpful because we haven't sold out yet. So <laughs> we're, still, we're, still, we're still touring in small <laughs> yeah. venues. And uh, we, we need every, need every man sponsors. you can get. We've got t-shirts in the back afterwards. <laughs> and you can get our most recent album on vinyl on our website we looked at cutting podcasts onto vinyl and it would take like six records per episode or something wow really (laughs) right because you only get you only get like 20 minutes to a side to a couple records it would take a couple records per episode front back for sure maybe not the most sustainable (laughs) business model you gotta flip a record three times to listen to our podcast i I think it's (laughs) but as the same reason laser discs didn't work You can just have one okay. as a commem- commemorative uh, 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 thing. Right. Uh, okay, I'm Adam. I'm Brian. And I'm Scott. Uh, yes. It's been a delicious morning. Enjoy all the sounds. And don't judge yourself too harshly. They don't know what I know. So what, uh, is it Morgan Freeman? That's me, Bill. <laughs> Back from prison, you see, doop a doop, shibba doop.